0: Good afternoon, this
1: is Flint McLaughlin. I am interested particularly today's topic because much of it is counterintuitive. There are findings here that will baffle copywriters and findings here that may baffle uh, design experts. In both cases, we're going to be asking a question that comes up in so many of our training sessions that take place around the world. We typically have an audience with uh, three kinds of marketers and often there's a hybrid or an overlap. On the one hand, you have a marketer whose specialist uh, uh, skills are in the creativity and the creative and some of those are particularly good in design. Others tend to be excited about issues like um, uh, the copy itself and they have skills in copywriting. And then there's that marketer who's really not an expert either at design or copywriting, but loves to crunch the numbers, is expert in the metrics, and is essentially wired to constantly do the math beneath the marketing initiatives. In that particular environment, one of the questions that comes up over and over again is, why do you guys emphasize copy so much? What about these images? And if you've been in many of our clinics, you'll see that we often get uh, an increase in conversion by eliminating a lot of the images that are typically found on a page. Some of the big hero shots and the things that are most common to our websites are impediments to conversion. But today we're going to think about it differently. In fact, if you're a dyed-in-the-wool marketing experiment subscriber and you've heard all of our work on copy, you may be surprised today to hear our particular findings regarding images. Some of us in the sciences lab have defected We have not yet become sexy agency people, but we do understand that uh, images can make a difference. If you want to uh, Twitter about this particular clinic, the hashtag is on the screen right now, and uh, it is hashtag webclinic. In the meantime, I'm going to be speaking. Uh, I have managed to maintain the world's worst picture for several years now. I have had photographers show up I think six or seven times to my office for a new picture. Uh, I think I was actually wearing a pair of shorts with that tie and shirt when they took the shot. The last time the photographers came, I was in a T-shirt and they gave up and left. Adam Lapp, who you've seen on some of the clinics, actually had his picture done in a white dress shirt. Pamela, Uh, one of our marketing gurus, said to him, you need a tie. We need to take this picture over. We came back the next day and Adam had Photoshopped the tie into his, uh, onto his image, looking quite official. He's a surfer, and uh, we're just lucky to keep him in um, anything besides rags. He also rides a moped, which I think is uh, tragic. Uh, I'm joined today by Tony uh, Tony Doughty. And uh, Tony is a research manager with marketing experiments. He's very tall. He reminds me a great deal of the big guy on Jurassic Park. I forgot his name, but he runs around with those horn-rimmed glasses. Jeff Goldblum, is that the name? Yes, that's Tony Doty. Uh, There's one is is the before, and the other is the after optimization, and I will let you determine which one Tony is. You'll have to come to an actual summit to discover that. Uh, Next to him is Nathan Thompson. Nathan is single, and uh, also Nathan is single. Nathan is single. Did I mention that Nathan is single? He's single and he's desperate, but he's very clever. And uh, his, his, he's the research manager for marketing experiments, and uh, he's going to be helping us in just a few moments. Today's session uh, begins with an experiment. It has absolutely nothing to do with microscopes, but we think it's kind of a sexy picture, and so we're going to get started right away. That's actually not a microscope. That's an optoscope. If you put your web page on that flat part, it will show you where the revenue is leaking. That was developed by the technologist here in the marketing experiments laboratory, uh, one late night with pizza and beer. Moving to the first experiment, test protocol 1353. This is uh, a well-known publication, very well-known publication. Their goal was to increase the amount of home delivery subscriptions. It's. Um, it's an interesting experiment. The question was, which page of process will generate the most subscriptions? Now, we've selected this. As always, we begin with a case study and an experiment, because we're going to ground everything we tell you in actual research. Uh, we, we, in particular, find this experiment interesting, because it's one of those cases where we actually pitted copy against images to discover which would produce the highest yield. And there's some interesting findings, but I'm going to take over to Tony, and despite the kidding and teasing, uh, he's a brilliant analyst, and he was involved in this experiment, and he's going to explain it to us. So Tony, go ahead and give us some background.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Flint. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm Tony Doty, one of the research analysts here at MEC Labs. And so basically, um, what you've seen here is the uh, the general background. You know, this is for a well-known news publication. Uh, offering home delivery services and the goal of these particular pages is going to be you know, to increase the, uh, um, the number of registrations for those home delivery subscriptions and primarily we're looking at to see which page or process will uh, generate the most subscriptions. Okay, so here's our, uh, our basic setup. Um, so we took all the uh, the traffic from one particular channel here and this is actually their website traffic and we had two different landing pages we ran against the control and one different order page that we ran against the control. Um, so really, here it was just the control landing page, the two treatments, and then the uh, the single treatment for the order page. All right, here. So this is basically the uh, the original control that we were going to be uh, running our tests against. And one thing that you don't really see here is that this is actually already uh, an optimized flow that we've had, uh, you know, that we've ran multiple tests against. Um, this is currently the highest performing landing page. That we, uh, that we have seen. And some of the prior testing also had uh, other imagery components. And here we have the landing page sitting next to what the form page is. So as you can see, the landing page is very copy heavy, uh, very you know, frequent bullet. You know, there's lots of bullets along the middle there. Um, there's the supporting column on the right-hand side. And this one, we actually have the uh, delivery availability on the very bottom of the page here. Uh, we've actually tested other versions that have that on the top, and this was actually the highest performing of those.
1: And let me let me just jump in, uh, Tony, because it's important to note that this page is following a lot of the best practices that you'll see in our clinics uh, and uh, and while it's heavy and copy, that's all a question of compared to what It's a reasonably short page. It has a short introductory paragraph, bullet points call to action uh it's single column with a supporting column on the right you know it's it and as Tony's mentioned, it was the best performing page up until uh, we began some new experiments and so Continue, Tony.
0: Correct, yes. So this actually was the best-performing page for, uh, for well over a year, I believe, before we ran this, this new round of testing here. And so here now you see is the, uh, the first treatment that we, uh, that we proposed to run against that control. And you see there's more imagery down in the right corner. Um, <clears throat> there's less bullets and less copy throughout the body of the uh, of landing page here. And as well you have the, uh, uh, the bullets on the top and the headline or you can go ahead and enter your zip code here. So it's basically more an image-rich version with a horizontal layout for the daily uh, the daily offers here.
1: And I just want to jump in and say we've talked a lot about horizontal and vertical layouts. In a minute, we're going to ask you to tell us which one of these you think produces the best. So pay close attention to these particular designs. Go ahead, Tony.
0: Right. And so now we actually see the form page for this one. And you're also going to see a slight difference in what we had for the control form page in that the control was just a straight vertical layout, and this was a little more clustered together, but with that one, two, three options here to try to uh, guide the, uh, the visitor iPad and actually get them to go ahead and complete the order. Um, but overall, the main difference between these two pages was the copy on the landing page. So here you can actually see the actual order forms side by side. Uh, you know, all of the same fields are there. It's just a matter of layout. One is straight vertical, and one actually has that, uh, that slight change to the right side for the billing information.
1: Now, in just a moment, we're going to show you uh, treatment two. But I'd like to get you right now to take the Q&A feature and tell us which ones of these do you believe will produce the highest yield right now. So, the control or the treatment? And don't take the words I said about beating yet because there were more treatments we tested against this. You'll be mistaken if you try and take a clue from my previous conversation. There were multiple treatments. Just look at the two and say, which one will get the greatest result? And I am seeing John say, uh, treatment, treatment, control, control, treatment, control. The audience is split. Uh, I don't really like either page. Thank you very much. I'm sure Nathan did that page. Uh, treatment, 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 control, control, treatment, control, treatment. Michael Marsh. Uh, Faith says, uh, actually, it's moving. So There's... We had 2,000 people registered for this event, and so your feedback is coming in so fast it's hard to read. Uh, Treatment, treatment, control, all right. What I'm noticing when I look at this is that the audience is very, very split. There's not any significant difference in your vote. So uh, that should tell you something right there. Uh, it, It indicates the need to test because we have one of the most sophisticated audiences in the world in marketing on this call right now. If you go back and study marketing audiences, our audience is a much higher level. You may be new, but many of the people on this call are testing regularly. And, uh, and yet, with all the expertise, the audience doesn't really have a clue as to which one is the best. That's why we have to test. I'm going uh, to ask Tony to
0: show us the next treatment. Go ahead. Excellent. Thank you, Clint. So now, if we can go ahead and get the next treatment. Perfect. And so here we see we start right off with that save 50%. And we have the check availability immediately. And the big thing that you're going to notice here is that, you know, we didn't incorporate uh, a sub-headline on this particular headline piece here, and we jumped straight into trying to get them into the process. And we changed, and we have a vertical layout here for the daily delivery features. And we, we've also expanded the size of that imagery, which was on the first treatment just down in the bottom right-hand corner. For this particular treatment, you see a much larger uh, graphical element here. And for this one... the the form page was actually the same as the other treatment. So we were really looking to see how this form page compared against the control form page, but also which one of these three landing pages uh, produced the highest click-through rate.
1: All right, and Tony has, uh, we have uh, three now. We have the control treatment one and treatment two, and I'm going to ask you to vote one more time. Now you've got uh, the benefit of three versions. You're the marketing Expert, you've been asked to optimize this page, but you're told you don't have the budget to test. Which one would you pick? All right, go ahead. Let's look at you. Use the Q&A features. All right, treatment two, treatment two, treatment one, two, one, 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 one. Control, one, two, one, 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 two, two, one. All right, a lot of ones. Let's uh, let's stop there and... uh and uh, how many of you would like to see the data set now to discover which one of these performed best? If that's, uh, if that's important to you. And we have uh, Austin is raising his hand. Austin helped write the clinic, but uh, he makes the data up and he can't ever remember it from one day to the next. <laughs> so so we're going to go to the actual table and let's see what you wrote last time, Austin. Uh, here it is. Here um, this is uh, an explanation that I'll let Tony make. Just kind of tell us what the main thing is, Tony.
0: Well, excellent. Well, the, I mean, as you can see, we bolded the, uh, the most important details for you. Uh, the, the overall winner on click-through rate was treatment number two. That was the, the lightest of all of the copy treatments, and that had a rel- relative difference of over 20% lift above what the, what the control did for the click-through rate. And also, conversion rate was uh, substantially greater for that second treatment. And that order page wasn't any different than what we had for treatment one, uh, but as you can see here, that was almost a full percentage point lift on conversion rate, which was almost 30% relative difference from what the control was here. So overall treatment two outperformed substantially in both the click-through rate on the landing page as well as conversion through the entire process.
1: Okay, all right, so that's a bit shocking. Uh, for some of us in the lab, because we believe heavily in initiating conversation. And uh, yet it is our job at McLab to constantly challenge our own findings. It's our job to question everything that we teach you over and over again with rigorous experiments that help us discover refinements and new applications. And someone said the greatest hindrance to the next great move in science is the last great move in science. And, uh, we don't want to be a part of that. So what does it mean if you've been on our clinics? We've told you before that it's critical to meet them, communicate, get inside the conversation that people don't buy from websites. People buy from people that you don't optimize websites, that you optimize thought sequences that to optimize thought sequences. You've got to get into the mental conversation that's taking place and guide it. That being the case, how do you explain this strange set of findings? The, the answer begins with some key principles, and we're going to start to teach those. I want you to especially pay attention to treatment two, because there's important things I'm tempted to say right now, but I'm going to wait. And instead, start to teach you some important principles about treatment two. For now, let's look at uh, the first principle. The effectiveness of any given webpage element to communicate the value proposition has to be should be can be measured by two potential elements or capabilities its its ability to communicate value with force in other words to intensify the appeal of the value and its ability to communicate value with precision in other words with specific clarity so force and precision are vital aspects when you start to communicate the value of your offering bear in mind if you've been in our clinics before we've taught you that uh one of the most important elements in any offer is the clarity of the value proposition it relates to item V on the conversion sequence if you've never heard of the conversion sequence you need to go to our website there's probably 15 million dollars of free research there now And type in conversion sequence or conversion index in the search form and go through the articles and they will help teach you. And there'll be lectures, voice, video, audio, all kinds of things. For now, I want to point out to you that the offer rotates around a single question. If I am the ideal customer, why should I purchase from you rather than any of your competitors? If you cannot answer that for me right now, if you're on this call right now with your own offers, your own campaigns and deadlines set for next week, and you're trying to get your marketing together, and you can't answer that question, you're not only not ready to put images on the page, you're not ready to write copy. I'll ask the question one more time. If I'm the ideal customer, why should I purchase from you rather than any of your competitors? Now, that being the case, that being the critical question, the answer has to have force. It has to have deep, intrinsic appeal, and it has to have precision. It has to be communicate with such clarity that it's credible. And easy to imagine or visualize. Which brings me to a second point. In most cases, images have the greater potential to communicate value with force. Why is that? And copy has the greater potential to communicate value with precision. Why is that? In fact, let me see if you're tracking with me. So use your Q&A feature and answer this question. Why do you think images can help communicate value with more appeal? More force. Tell me what you think the answer is. Images uh, stimulate emotions. Uh, People buy from people. It's emotion. A picture is worth a thousand words. Did you just think of that statement? I mean, that's an amazing quote. Um, Immediacy. Uh, Somebody wrote down yes. I have no idea how that answers my question, but I'm going to say well done. Okay? Okay. And, uh, and someone says it's understood faster. It sparks interest. Uh, look, uh, pictures help you visualize the offering. They connect with the appeal so that you can experience it. You're closer to an experience. You know, you can write my, I have a six year old daughter. And, uh, I'm only 19 years old, but I have a six year old daughter. And, uh, and, uh, she's a gorgeous little girl, and I can write her name down on a piece of paper and see her name, and that makes me smile. But I got to tell you, when I see a picture of her with pigtails sitting on the steps of my house, uh, I have this precise picture in a little bitty dress with her legs swinging while she waits for me to come home so she can beat her sister to the vehicle to give me a kiss. I have a whole flood of emotions connected to that picture. The image is powerful. So, Thinking about those two principles, we need to talk about how we can use images in our work. And uh, <laughs> once again, Austin has found the perfect slide. Uh, is that a house of Hasselblad? It's a laser gun. It's a laser gun. <laughs> and it's pointed at me. Uh, the technology people don't like me. Uh, all right, so looking, looking at using images, then we need to ask this question. Um, the force of an image is directly related to what? It's directly related to its relevance. In other words, how does this relate to the person who sees it? And let's look at an example. We'll come back to other things. Much of the value of this newspaper is in the well-known brand. Now we're looking at that slide I told you to remember. And I want you to look at it and think about it with me. First of all, I'd like to point out there's almost no text on this page. But I'd like to point out, hear me, that this page is almost all words. There's almost no text on this page, but this page is almost all words. Now, there is a blur on the screen to protect the brand, okay? But if you could look at the image, there's words all over the images. There's words on the images to the left in gray. So, We're starting to resolve a paradox. Now, I'm a philosopher by training, and Kierkegaard, for instance, is famous for his understanding of paradoxes. And a contradiction is essentially uh, two opposing ideas. But if you can resolve the contradiction, you have a paradox. And in the case of a paradox, both of the opposing ideas can be true. In a contradiction, only one is true. And so, think about the contradiction here. We have said to you that you need to use copy and that you need to use it at the top of your page to initiate conversation. And on the other hand, our experiment is saying and we're suggesting that you need to use images and that images in this particular case helped outperform the page that was laden with copy. What is the resolution of this paradox? There not really any we're just trying to keep you on the line as long as we can Uh, no there there is there is a resolution and it is this in both cases the copy and or the images are communicating communicating words the difference is in the particular experiment we saw the image did a better job of communicating than the copy did now stop for a second because if you can hang on with us all the way through this, uh, this hour together, we're going to get past theory. Now, we're, we're really moving past theory now, showing you results and experiments. But we're going to look at your own pages, do live optimization. And I'm going to show you examples of the pages that have been submitted by our own audience. And I want to suggest to you that 95% of the pictures I see on websites communicate nothing of any value. And thus, do nothing but interfere with what we could accomplish better with copy and with words. Look at the page again. On the left, all those images are doing is very clearly communicating primary value. And they're part of a headline. On the right, you're seeing exactly what we're talking about delivering to you, and it's spread out so that you can get a sense and in your mind of the the density of value, the amount of information you're going to receive. And if it wasn't blurred, you'll also see that high-performance, high-value brand all over it. Bear in mind that one of the reasons images work so well here is because the brand is so well known. Had you taken this experiment with another group where the brand was less known, it might not have worked nearly as well as the page with the copy. But either way, and this is the point I would hope you learn right now, either way, with the control or the treatment, we're communicating intentionally, deliberately, a core message. That is the difference. So, keeping that in mind, let's look at a bad example and a good example, and then we'll learn another principle. By the way, before live optimization, if we have time, we're going to ask and answer, at least in part, a very important question, and that is, uh, what about SEO? What happens with SEO organic? And uh, how do you control, because images are a key to understanding the changes you can make and not make on your page that might impact your SEO rankings. How do you optimize for SEO and conversion at the same time? What do you do if your primary traffic comes from SEO and you're afraid of changing your page and thus damaging your rankings? That's coming up. For now, I'd like to teach you another principle. But first, not this, but this. In this case, you see the use of images, the way, and I want to say this politely and kindly, we own an agency, a third of our audience are agencies. I am not at war with agencies, but there is a classic approach that has uh, become normal in many of the the ways. If you're a good agency, you've seen it with your competitors. Uh, I've told you before, Ogilvy, who is the considered, and I quote, and is quoted and called the king of branding, said, every ad must sell. Ogilvy understood this with regards to images in many ways. We've lost it amidst our bid to win another competition. But the top piece has two people, I think, blowing on a red trumpet. That looks like one of Austin's images. I mean, that's the kind of thing Austin would do. (laughs) They're blowing on a red trumpet. It's very uh, ad campaignish, but it has very little to do with communicating the proper message or value. Maybe it gets your eyes, but when you look, what do you learn? What do you see? What do you perceive? Nothing. Not only that, it takes your eyes from the iPad over to the corner of the page, which doesn't do anybody any good at all. But if you look at the example beneath it, what you see is how we're using images to talk. We're using images to communicate. We're using images to uh, help you understand. Because it all goes back to a principle we taught clinic after clinic, discovered in our lab from trial and error and lots of uh, pattern analysis, clarity trumps persuasion. Every time. Clarity trumps persuasion. Alright. That leads to the next principle. Reality. The force of an image increases with its authenticity. Images can bring a realism that reduces the virtual distance between the offer's value and the recipient's perception. What in the world are these scientists saying? Uh, Essentially, they're saying that You can close the gap with a good image. You never present an offer or an incentive, any kind of offer that can't be visualized in the mind of the visitor or prospect. An image can can shortcut the distance and help them immediately visualize the, the nature of the offer. And so it becomes very powerful in those situations. Here's an example. Look at the winning treatment. Look at how that image is talking. As I said, the brand is all over it. The various sections of the offering, the paper, are all over it. It's helping people visualize what they get. Here's another one. That image helped increase conversion for Encyclopedia Britannica by 103%. That image. It essentially had a caption that helped you understand that you get all 32 volumes of Encyclopedia Britannica accessible online with a free trial for a few dollars a month. The image was so powerful that it it had high impact on conversion. And uh, and it, I recall the experiment can't teach it now, but it completely blew away the team as we uh, not our team but their team, both teams as we saw the result. Here's another 14 days of unlimited access to both Universal Studios and Universal Islands of Adventure. Now that's not a classy image, it's just clear. You get this stuff. Imagine that with your family. That's an image doing the heavy lifting it's supposed to do. There's a third principle. It's the principle of relative weight. The force of an image increases as its relative graphical proportion increases. That means... In plain speak, that the image that looks different than the rest of the stuff on the page gets your attention. And that's precisely why you don't want a page with too many images, too many boxes, too many squares, too much noise, because all the messaging gets lost. I'd like to say a lot more about that. We'll see those problems when we look at some of your live pages but I want to keep communicating as much information as I can today to try and help you go back to your own websites and get significant increases just because of your time investment with us. By the way, if you find this helpful at all, tell a friend. We, we don't charge for this clinic uh, and we max out virtually every time. Uh, the only thing that we ask you to do is tell other people about Mech Labs or send them to the Marketing Experiments website where they can get additional research and we can help them. We want to build a community of marketers who are helping each other discover what truly works. All right. So here we have the relative weight demonstrated back again by looking at the treatment. Here you see that this image is the only color image on the page. And it's dominant both in its location, in its size, in its shape. There are five elements that control the impact on your eyes. Size, color, shape, position, and motion. It has size, color, shape, and position. That's four powerful elements. You don't miss it. It drives the, the message home with high impact. All right. That brings me to the third section, using copy. My staff is looking at me. They're wondering if I'm going to make fun of this particular image that Austin has chosen. But actually, I'm in tears. It brings back memories of the old days. All right, so I'm going to go on and, uh, and ask you this question. Very important question. What does this page say without adding any copy at all? We talked first of all about using images. Now we're talking about using copy. Now, mind you, much of the copy that we add here is image-based copy, but it's still copy. It says the product is a home delivery newspaper service. It says you can save 50% by ordering online. Uh, it says the specific features and details then that you can get on specific days uh, from being a subscriber to the publication. That's what the copy adds. Um, when I say copy, really that's what the images, Because the images, the copy that we just added are all images. The offer may or may not be available in your area. And... Uh, That creates the next step in the funnel. So, let's talk about copy and say, first of all, um, it assists you in using specific, quantifiable details. It also uh, helps you include a tone that matches the visitor's motivation. More importantly, it gives your site personality. People will personify your site even if you don't. So, People come to your site and there's a conversation in their mind and your site is helping them as they work through their questions and there's an interaction. People do not buy from websites, people buy from people. If your site is not intentional, it's no telling what voice it has because often there's 12 voices. There's three banner ads at the top, two on the left. There's something flashing in motion and shape and really they don't have a voice, they have a crowd scene and noise. And they've got to sort through it, make meaning about it, and give your site a voice. And frankly, the appeal of that voice will have a lot to do have with the way you communicate the, your value and the clarity of it all. So you need to be purposeful about the voice, and part of it is the word choice in your copy. Let's look at an example. This is a site that used uh, copy in the wrong way. Here's the headline. Searching for the most accurate mailing list, your hunt is over. Now, when I teach with this experiment, I often say, look, uh, if the voice you use in your marketing materials doesn't match the voice you use when you're in the office talking to a colleague or you're in the bar afterwards uh, talking to friends, it's probably the wrong voice. I don't mean to just be uh, clever, but what do you think think it would do for you? Uh, We've got Nathan here. And Nathan's a project. We're trying to run A-B test to find some girl who's desperate enough to take him on a date. Um, he's, by the way, um, making lots of faces at me right now. And, uh, and he's an unusually handsome guy. I don't know what the issue is. He must have some hygiene problems or something. But he's still <laughs> he's still single. If Nathan walked up after work at the local pub to a girl standing at the bar and said, Searching for the most eligible bachelor, your hunt is over. She'd, she'd run for her life. It wouldn't work because it's a, it's, it's a phony voice and it's communicating in a way that uh, lacks all credibility and, uh, and because he's, he's got hygiene problems. You put all three together and there's a, there's a heuristic for that, P plus H. Anyway, the bottom line is, then, then it says, get 500 free leads today and then underneath it, it says in, 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 in italics, it sounds like this, with qualifying purchase. It's as if to say, forget what I just said, because there's a catch. And the the tone of the copy and the messaging in the copy is all wrong. Uh, so, this is not what you do with your copy. When you see a corrected version, it uses specific, quantification. Fiable data to support a key claim that answers that value question we talked about earlier. It says we make 26 million phone calls a year to ensure you get the most accurate mailing list available. Do you see the difference? It says in the bullet points there are 600 full-time researchers dedicated to to building, verifying, and updating your data. It says that our teller researchers make over 80,000 phone calls a day to phone verify your data. This is a valuable page. The tone is right. The copy is right. And there's so much more I could say about it. The way it's designed produces the yield. And I forget the result. It was a 201% increase in conversion over the earlier page. We didn't bring it here as a case study, just an example of not this, but this. But... uh, it, researchers in the room recall it, and it had a 201% lift. The difference is in getting the copyright, which raises a dangerous, dangerous question and one that comes up. It's an advanced question. But what about SEO? Because we had a copy-heavy version on the left, and certainly that might have some impact in terms of its SEO rankings. Now we've got a page that's virtually all images. What about that? So, importantly, how do you balance landing page optimization with search engine optimization? If that's a vital question to you, I'd like to get a sense in my audience about how many of you find that to be an important consideration. Use your Q&A feature and tell us. I'm going to keep teaching, but I'd like to get that information tracked. There's many of you saying, yes, yes, very critical, critical, critical voodoo, somebody said. (laughs) Very important. All right. Clearly, um... We might design and develop an entire series of experiments and a web clinic around this if you'd find it helpful. For now, we're going to go through some important teaching that will help you make changes to your site. And as you as you work through this, I'd like to point out that uh, we're going to go to live optimization right after this section. Uh, the first thing that you need to understand, by the way, is that we're living right in the middle of a series of experiments with it right now. And we have um, worked with a subscription group that has series of clubs, you know, uh, that have a a monthly subscription fee and they deliver things to you, and uh, most of their business comes from organic search. They need to optimize their site. It is seriously, seriously dated, underperforming, poor conversion rates, but they have been held hostage by SEO people who made them afraid to make a single change. Here's the good news and the bad news. And again, I can't tell you who this is, but I I hope it brings empathy from our audience. The good news is they maintained high search rankings for a long time. The bad news is business eroded consistently and continually as they lost market share. Proud of their high search rankings, but unable to make the conversion changes necessary to drive growth. What do you do in a situation like that? Well, first of all, let me say this. There's a heuristic we've taught in the past. You may have seen it, especially if you're certified uh, in landing page optimization through our group. But this is an order of priority in optimization experimentation. Most people come and ask for help in the channel. That's what CNN is. When they really don't recognize that it doesn't matter if you're driving lots of page search to a site that's producing 30 cents a click when it could be producing a dollar and a half a click, you better fix the site first. That's presentation, everything you use to present your offer but that's not important either if you don't have a value proposition, if your product isn't right. And that is the core offering that rotates around the answer to that question. If I am the ideal customer, why should I purchase me rather than any of your competitors? If you have that right, then you can get the site right. And then you can get the channels right. And it should be in that order. If you want to see the highest financial return on investment. So what does that have to do with SEO? Well, simply this, your primary goal is going to be to increase conversion. And a very important, but secondary goal is going to be to increase your search ranking. It doesn't matter if you drive a lot of people to a site that doesn't sell. So what do we do? How can we live with the trade-offs? And I'm going to show you something, and then I'm going to ask an an SEO expert from our lab um, to come alongside and help us. I've teased poor Nathan a lot today, but that's just because I tease the guys I like that work here and... uh, And he's a star in our group and he can help you with SEO questions and he's going to be answering questions for you in just a moment. For now, I'd like to talk about one approach and that is segmentation. That is an approach that drives all traffic to a page that balances SEO and LPO so that you are getting the highest conversion rate you can without losing your search rankings. Now, that's probably the only answer that most of us have and yet. We're not sure how to do it. And Nathan's going to talk about some principles for that in just a minute. He can't go too deep. We don't have time. But the four things he's going to say will help. These are questions you need to ask yourself. However, let me take you deeper than that on this slide in the sense that that's not your only option. The next key is to segment all traffic coming from your independent channels into a series of landing pages that don't require SEO rankings in order to be effective. Now, you need to do that without duplicate copy. You need to be smart about how you do it. But really, it's a simple process. If you're sending paid search to an SEO-optimized page, you're losing money in most cases. If you're sending email campaigns to an SEO-optimized page, you're probably losing money. Specificity converts. Paid search, email, and affiliate are just examples. There are other sources of traffic. All of those traffic sources can be driven to a page on your site or to an independent path that is not SEO optimized, which leads to a very important second principle. And you've got to really think about this. Don't think of your SEO optimized page as a page. It's just an extension of the channel. All it is is a channel to get people through into your pages. So think of the principle of extension. All traffic in this situation flows through a page balancing SEO and LPO, But this page is treated just as though it's simply an extension of the channel. And that page is laden with high value, highly uh, appealing links that drive you into segmented traffic uh, paths that aren't worried about SEO at all and thus convert at much higher rates. The example would be this. You might have your own website and you might have a blog. And in the blog, you might link to your products. And those products... And those links, you don't put put the products right on the page because it would hurt the the blog rankings. But instead, you drive people from the blog to your products. Well, that, that, that kind of thinking mirrors what we're suggesting to you with regards to balancing SEO and LPO on a page that's really just another channel. It's just another channel that you must optimize to get people to click through where there are pages that are designed to convert at the highest possible rate. That leads to some questions. Uh, trying to identify still the proper balance between SEO and LPO. How do you get that page at least balanced properly? And we can't answer that right now, but we can, we can raise some critical questions that will help you start to get an answer. So over to Nathan.
2: Thank you, Flint. Um, first question you're going to want to ask is where does your traffic come from? Uh is organic traffic a large enough large enough percentage of your traffic to warrant your focus, or would you be better off focusing on your PPC traffic, focusing on landing pages that segment out your email, uh your your landing page and other traffic sources that maybe convert better? Um the second question you want to ask is is organic uh if you do have a lot of organic traffic, how well does that organic traffic convert? Are the terms you're ranking for producing relevant qualified traffic or is it really just dr- junk traffic? Um, if you are getting a lot of junk traffic or spam traffic for keywords that aren't relevant to your product or your offering, uh, maybe that's not where you want to focus your time. Um, the second thing you're going to want to look at is uh, what are the LPO needs and the p- potential impact? Uh, the first thing you want to notice is, uh, are the changes you need radical or minor? Um, if you're looking at minor changes, you can reduce the risk of major shifts in your SEO rankings. Uh, if you're looking at major changes, you're going to want to be careful. You're going to want to uh, take some other things into consideration. Uh, secondly, how, how will it affect the bottom line? Does the risk of altering your page to increase conversion outweigh the potential of lost sales due to decreased traffic? Um You want to weigh, you know, is getting better traffic going to pay off or uh, is getting more traffic going to pay off? The third question you're going to want to ask is what contributes most to your SEO rankings? Uh, Is it content or is it authority? Does your page have the domain age, the backlinks, uh, and other elements to balance any changes in content? Uh, obviously, large, established, well-known domains are going to have a lot more flexibility to make those content changes. Uh, younger sites and sites that have uh, worked a lot harder to get those rankings are going to have to be more careful about content changes. And finally, the fourth question is, can you even measure the impact of your page changes? Are you currently tracking your search engine rankings uh, and your keywords? Uh, are you able to measure your conversion and weigh the differences?
1: All right. Excellent. Uh, those are great, great points, and they perhaps will help you. There's more, much more we want to say about that, and I'd suggest, because we have a number of SEO experts on the, on the call right now that uh, you know, probably correspond with our SEO teams here, uh, feel free to give us information that might be posted on the blog with relation to your experience about SEO and organic. There might be some interesting follow-up that would help a large portion of our audience. If you don't visit the blog, uh, you're probably missing a lot of fresh content that comes out virtually every day, certainly every couple of days on the blog, based on uh, current findings in our research, and uh, it's uh, it's different than our official briefs. It's very conversational, and uh, and you might find it quite helpful. Now you have been patient, you have stayed with us, and it's time to get to live optimization. I don't know why I laugh at every image, but the scalp what? I can't. Is that a dentist or a surgeon? It looks like the thing they do to fix my clean my teeth. In, in a sense what we're doing here, right? So, Austin says, that in a sense, that's what we're doing here. I'm going to take his word for it. <laughs> I've never thought of having my teeth optimized, but I'm sure there's a market in for that. I'm going to look at the first submission. This is from one of our, one of our students that's on the call right now. Uh, this group is called InnerActivist.com. Uh, it was submitted by, uh, by Wendy. The goal is to get people to our program page. The channel just went live using social media, email, and campaigns. The audience is social entrepreneurs, activists, corporations, and government doing social change initiatives. Wendy, let me direct you since uh, I I haven't seen this page before and I don't know you, but I serve as the director of transforming business at the University of Cambridge in the UK. Go to transformingbusiness.net and you can see what we're doing there as it connects to uh, social investing and so on. and might, You might find it interesting. Um, but anyway, side note and back to this. We're looking at a page. Audience, I need your expertise. We're going to talk about the use of images and text on this page. We're going to optimize it. To do that, I'd like you, first of all, to take a pass at it. Tell me how you'd make this page perform better. And so, use the Q&A feature or your hashtag web clinic to tell us how you'd make this page better. And uh, I want to quickly review your thoughts. Um, looks like this is going to hurt. Somebody named DJ wrote Baha. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Somebody else wrote ARG, like A-A-R-G-H, looks scary. Uh, Make value proposition. You people are mean. You know I'm always nice on these clinics when I look at (laughs) pages. All right, there's no value presented in the copy. Position the text down the page rather than across. Shorten uh, the height of the banner. The image is not right. Call to action gets lost. What exactly, I'm reading, your, I'm reading your thoughts, poor contrast, uh, more relevant image. What do you expect of me? All right. We've got input. Time is running out. I'm going to hit this page hard so we can go to a new page and get more interaction. Um, looking at the page itself, I see that uh, we have a strong, this is actually classic. This is exactly what most of the pages look like uh, when we get onto the web, especially uh, nonprofits. Either way... Uh, we do have the wrong image. Our programs are not for the faint of heart. They are life-changing opportunity to develop the essential emotional and psychological skills to be transforming influence on the world. Now, I I mean this in the kindest, most gracious way because I know you've got a noble initiative and I've already told you I'm involved with with some versions of this myself and so I am empathetic. But I want to tell you that you can read that entire headline in all the sentences and look at the glowing hands beside it and have no clue as to what this is about. That's very important. You know, if I said to you that images could communicate, that most of the time they don't, guess what? Words can communicate too, but most of the time on our websites, they don't. The words are as bad as an image that doesn't communicate, because it's not about the words, it's about the message, and the message isn't clear. Uh, it says the the interactivist. We don't know what an interactivist is. It says programs. We don't know what the programs are are that you're talking about. And so faint of heart means nothing. And then it says life-changing opportunity. To do what? And then it has a button that you can't read. And it says view program. Why would I want to view that program? I don't know what that program is. I'm busy. To get clarity, I use the little green arrow at the top of the page and go backwards and find something else that brings meaning. So, you have seven seconds to answer three questions on a page like this. Where am I at? What can I do here? And why should I do it? That seven seconds represents about four inches of space in geography. You have four inches of space at the top. And honestly, I think the image is attractive. Uh, I think the contrast is a problem. The white over those blended background makes it difficult to read. But uh, I, I, I'm not saying the image is right. I just think the overall top of the page looks professional, attractive. like It looks like it was designed by a professional designer. The problem is, it is, oh, uh, Wendy, please forgive me. Um, it, it, you shouldn't optimize it. You should, you, you, you should just destroy it and start over. Um, and, and, and the reason is, not only is the top not doing anything right, but the bottom has three evenly weighted co- uh, columns. And if you've been in our training before, you'll discover that that hurts your conversion rate dramatically. We don't know which option to choose. And it says Interactivist Program and Interessentials eCourse. And if I could help you, this is I just was in uh, Boston at the Marketing Sherpa B2B Summit. And as, uh, as a favor to uh, uh, one of the largest banks in America, I met with a charity. A good group of people trying to accomplish things. But they have the same problems that most charities have. And that you don't want to have on your site. By the way, if you're tuning out right now, could you say, our business is not a charity. It's true, we haven't made a profit the last two years, but we're not a charity. Then, I mean, because most businesses in the last two years have suffered a bit. It, 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 this doesn't matter because we'll have the same problem when we go to a for-profit page. But charities deal in the, in big ideas. And they're synthetic thinkers. And they conceptualize beautiful components. But they, but they often... Uh, work in a language in their mind that isn't the language the average person works with. In this site, I don't know what the interactive program is. I don't know what the, the Interessentials essentials e-course is. I don't know what the difference is and you think, well, that's why I have the learn more button. Well, I, when I click on the learn more button, is that the same as the view program button at the top? Is the view program at the top the top the same as the view program button on the left side? Or does that take me to a different place? Why are there three buttons on the page? More importantly, why in the heck would I want to learn more if I don't know enough to invest in that much? It's like saying to a girl, that you. it's like poor Nathan, who has learned from today's clinic to quit saying to girls, searching for an eligible bachelor. He learned that today, and, I, and I'm hoping that's going to help him out. And, but, but if he goes up to the girl at the bar tonight and, and says to her, you need to get to know me. Come with me on a date tonight to learn more. It's not going to work because she doesn't know enough to say yes yet, even to a date. That's what we're doing here. We're asking for too much too soon because we haven't been clear in the space that we have. Wendy, if you redesign this page based on these thoughts, send it to us, and we'll do our very, very best to uh, to look at it and to try to help you. And uh, if you're single, I'll have Nathan look at it because... <laughs> Sorry, that's going just a little too far, Nathan. All right, but the bottom line is we, we, we want to help you, and we're going to move on to another page. Uh, hopefully, thinking about this will give anybody in the audience transferable principles they can apply to their own page. Again, I want to look at this one. I'm going to ask, uh, we don't have time to do much here, so we're going to move fast. I'm going to ask one of, our, uh, one of our optimization experts sitting here. I'll turn to Tony. Tony, I want you just to look at this and tell me what you think. We're talking about images, so in particular, what's happening with that top image, and what's your initial thoughts regarding it?
0: Well, it's actually, I mean, I don't dislike the top image there. I mean, it's definitely very relevant to the uh, to the site here that we're talking about. Um, you know, what kind of distracts me the most is just all the other additional clutter around it. I mean, I, I, I drive through that. Oh, there's a car image. I'm on a, you know, I, I guess I must be on an auto parts site here. Um, but there's all these other elements all around it. There's the tab. There's the bullets. There's the yellow bullets. There's the start here. There's, you know, the discounts on the right. There's the things on the bottom. And there's just so many different pieces here that uh, even though that is, you know, a strong graphical element here in the center of the page, I honestly get distracted, and, you know, my vision and my iPad starts going all over the place. And uh, one thing that I actually do like about it is that, you know, for the for the cluttered state here on the top, at least we have a start here. I mean, at least that was the first thing that I saw. You know, I came in, and I see a big arrow that says start here. So at least I had some idea of where I was actually supposed to go here yep. with all the other elements that are on the page.
1: Adequacy is the enemy of excellence. So, if this page is performing well, but not performing at its peak, then you're still losing money every day. Sometimes we're better off if our pages are broken, because then we know they're not performing, and we fix them. In this case, I think think Tony is absolutely right. The problem is, this is all catalog and no connection. All I have is a catalog in front of me. I don't have any connection. I see some bullet points, but no one has said to me, you know, welcome to Streetside. Uh, uh, for 10 years we've been providing, you know, we've uh, amassed the world's largest inventory of X, Y, and Z. You can find precisely what you're looking for here in three different ways. One, you can use the search feature on the left. That's more compelling than just the image. The green car may be exactly what somebody else is looking for, but it may not have an appeal to the next one. And so you're, you're rolling the dice to see if that appeals. And what you see in bullet points could be said better in expert text. Let me back you up and just give you something to think about. I'd probably rather see a giant warehouse full of products with a display of a system that helps me understand, wow, it's a real business. By the way, and I wouldn't put it there. I'd put it to the right, probably down lower. I I would be communicating it's a real business with a massive inventory and probably what you're looking for, and I'd have a caption on it, over 116,000 parts available for next day uh, shipping. That kind of clarity with that kind of image does the work. Here's a rule for you to think about. Ask yourself for every image on your site, could I say this better with text? Ask yourself for every block of text, could I illustrate this better with an image? Then ask one more question. How do I marry image and text to get the highest and best possible result? That's a a criterion that we can apply over and over again to our own sites. Uh, I should point out for you that the uh, the third... uh, Quarter Research Journal for Marketing Experiments has been released. Now, this is a full book. I don't know if you're aware of that, but you can go online and, and it turns pages. It looks just like a book online and go through it. We have printed versions of the book also. I have a question for you. Please, if you enjoyed this, I'm, I'm, I'm going off the map. I'm doing something that we weren't supposed to do, but I need your help. And this is serious. I need feedback. This is a journal edition that you can go online and read right now. It's full of our compelling research from the last, last quarter but we have thought about offering a print edition where people can read it easier at home that would have some costs associated with it where you could buy it. If you'd like subscribe to it and get this sent to you every day, it's a thick typically 150, 160 page report with all of the things we've been discovering in the last quarter. Would you take a moment and use the Q and A before you leave and tell us that yes, if that was offered at a reasonable price, I'd be interested in it. We don't know what, whether to take the extra effort, of printing more editions and offering their subscribers or not. And getting feedback from you would be quite useful. You can also use a hashtag Twitter to give us feedback, a uh, hashtag WebClinic, if you'd like to give us you know, uh, feedback that way. Uh, lastly, thank you for coming today. Please, uh, once you've given us your feedback on that particular piece, um, tell a friend about us. We're going to keep working, trying to discover what works. And uh, we're grateful for your trust. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics as well as receive access to $10 million worth of internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com.